Welcome to Bank of Singapore's Outlook in 5. The definitive guide for investors to stay ahead. Hi, this is Eli Lee, Head of Investment Strategy at Bank of Singapore. Now, the key event for markets last week was the annual Jackson Hole Symposium. As investors focused on the US Federal Reserve's latest thoughts on exiting its QE program and also the path of interest rates ahead. Now, overall, Fed Chairman Powell struck a fairly neutral to dovish tone, and he stuck to his key messages that he's been signaling over the last few months. He acknowledged the progress the economy had made while continuing to highlight the gap in the labor market, which forms the second part of the Fed's mandate. Powell's message on inflation was also relatively dovish against the spate of recent commentary from other regional Fed speakers. He outlined his views on why the high inflation in the US today remains transitory. And importantly, he reiterated the message of taper is not tightening and that the timing of interest rate lift-off remains some time away, for which the Fed had articulated, in his words, a different and substantially more stringent test for the economy. So what lies ahead? Now, depending on the economic data for August, the Fed could announce a taper as early as its next meeting in September, but our base case scenario is that the Fed will continue to prime the markets again on tapering in September, but instead announce in November that it will begin reducing its asset purchases starting in December. So this scenario is expected to remain broadly supportive of risk assets for the remainder of this year. And in fact, it should be no surprise to many of us that markets went into a risk-on stance after Powell's speech on Friday. So we saw a broadly positive reaction in equities on Friday, with the S&P closing the week at an all-time high again. And importantly, the 10-year US Treasury yield falling to 1.31% again, which is about four basis points lower versus the day before. Market pricing of when the Fed would raise interest rates was unchanged after his speech as well. Now, in addition to the Fed's anticipated taper announcement over the next few months, another key driver of markets, in our view, will be the development in U.S. fiscal policy. Last Tuesday, the House Democrats passed the budget resolution that the Senate had approved two weeks before, and this cleared a procedural hurdle for the Democrats' ambitious $3.5 trillion anti-poverty and climate spending plan, which is also called the American Jobs and Family Plan, or the AJFP. Now, despite the passage of the budget resolution for the $3.5 trillion AJFP in the Senate, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the progressive Democrats in Congress had threatened to withhold Congress approval of the resolution alongside that for the $1.2 trillion Bipartisan Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. And this was aimed to force moderate Democrat lawmakers to prioritize the much more ambitious and hence legislatively difficult $3.5 trillion AFJP instead of the $1.2 trillion Bipartisan Infrastructure Spending Plan under the IIJA. Now, by agreeing to a non-binding deadline on the 27th of September, for the House Democrats to vote on the bipartisan $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, Speaker Pelosi reached a compromise and effectively created a two-track process for the two bills. Looking ahead, given the slim priority Democrats hold in both houses, we think that more negotiations and compromises will be necessary 
in order to ensure the unity of the Democrats' caucus and to secure the passage of their social infrastructure and spending plans. One fiscal hurdle ahead, however, is the impending deadline of the US government debt ceiling. Although voting on this debt ceiling is a separate process, it would invariably be tied to party politics. Republican lawmakers have threatened not to support the increase in the debt ceiling in order to prevent the Democrats from bulldozing their spending plans using the majority in both houses. And the risk is that this could result in yet another 11th hour standoff between the Democrats and the Republicans in order to prevent the shutdown of the US federal government. Finally, let's touch on uh, the Delta variant, which is a risk factor that we are keeping a very close eye on. Our base case remains that the Delta variant is unlikely to derail the global economic recovery. In the US, the seven-day moving average of new confirmed cases continues to trend upwards and is now close to 155,000 versus the 220,000 to 250,000 peak cases witnessed in late 2020 to the start of 2021. In Europe, the number of confirmed cases uh, is remaining fairly high since the pickup in cases in August. But the bright spot, however, is that hospitalization rates and fatality rates remain well below the levels seen during the peak earlier this year. Overall, the Delta variant has not led to the same impact on mobility restrictions compared to the outbreaks experienced earlier as well, especially prior to the rollout of the vaccines. Nonetheless, the surge in infections in Israel, which is the first country that has achieved significantly high levels of vaccination, is raising questions on the duration of vaccine efficacy. The seven-day moving average of new cases in Israel has increased from a low of 12 cases in mid-June to more than 8,000 in the last week. And the seven-day moving average for deaths have risen from zero in early July to about 24 as well. So given these recent developments, concerns of the decline in vaccine efficacy has led Israel to start administering the third booster shots for its population. And more than 1.77 million Israelis or 19% of the population have now received their third doses of the Pfizer vaccine. And we believe that going forward for many countries, a third booster shot will be required as well. And this is a development that we think will be critical in terms of monitoring the progress of COVID-19 risk. Finally, within our asset allocation strategy, we maintain an overall overweight position in equities with a preference for US equities. In particular, we believe that the strong price trends over the next few months should keep cyclical sectors and companies that are beneficiaries of inflation relatively supported. In fixed income, we remain overweight in emerging market high yield bonds, where we think valuations still look relatively attractive. And we stay underweight in both developed markets and emerging market investment grade bonds, where historically rich valuations, in our view, lift little buffer against rising rates. Again, this is Eli Lee, Head of Investment Strategy at Bank of Singapore, and I look forward to catching up with all of you next time. This podcast was brought to you by Bank of Singapore.